You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, everybody. Grant Napier. We are starting the week off here on Listen Up and... Uh... Really sad news today. We lost, we lost a great man today. Uh, he had a full life, and so we are grateful for that. But Pete Carrill, uh, the man that uh, they called Coachy, is gone at the age of 92. Uh, I would say in my 32 years of covering the NBA, being around Coachy was uh, one of the great highlights of my life. I used to love sitting on the bench hour and a half or so before a game and just watching him look at players warming up and talking basketball and talking life with him. Uh, he was a Hall of Famer, not only as a basketball coach, he was a Hall of Famer as a person and loved, loved talking life and basketball with Pete. And then after he left the Kings and went back to Princeton, uh, he would share with us that he used to watch all the games on league paths. And, you know, he was very open and honest. And he loved listening to my show, which I was grateful for. Uh, he used to talk about <laughs> the feuds that I would get into with my audience at times. And he said he would get a real kick out of that. and. But really, one of the great men, one of the great human beings that I ever had a chance to be around, you know, with the Princeton offense, 30 years of coaching with the Princeton Tigers, the family today. We kindly ask that you please respect our privacy at this time as we process our loss and handle necessary arrangements. More information will be forthcoming in the following days. We really had a loss this year of some uh, incredible people in the King's family. Wayne Cooper passed away earlier this year, and Coop was another fine, phenomenal person, former NBA player. Uh, but Pete Carrill. I'll tell you, there weren't a lot of coaches. He was incredible. You know, after he retired, he went and said this, anybody can coach basketball. I can tell you that right now. It's not that hard to know about a pick and roll, a back pick, the shuffle cut. I mean, it's not that hard. But what is hard is to see how to develop something, to have an idea 
how your team is going to play. And that comes under the header of thinking. Coachy was amazing. He was able to put things in the layman terms, unlike anyone that I'd ever been around. He could take something that was, I guess, complex and make it seem so simple in just a few words. And that's the thing I just loved in being around Pete Carrill. He was great. What a great human being. I used to love talking with him on the road. Just loved everything about him. I'm very sad today because uh, Pete Carrill was a phenomenal person. But I'm also happy and blessed to say that, you know, I not only knew him, but watched him age gracefully without what I thought were any health issues. Uh, he was on uh, our radio show back in March of 2020 and seemed to be in good health and good spirits. He would walk every day. He and Jerry Reynolds would go out for walks every single day on the road, every single day. And, you know, when he was inducted into the uh, Naismith Hall of Fame, he said this, let me just say that no one ever starts out wanting to be a Hall of Fame coach or a Hall of Fame doctor or a Hall of Fame anything. No one even starts out that way. There are a lot of forces at work and you don't know where you're going to end up and you don't know why it happens. Princeton was always half decent in basketball, but we're in national school now, basketball wise. And I don't think that's anything's going to happen to change that. Rest in peace, Coachy. One of the great, great people I've ever been around in all my years of covering the uh, NBA. Hey, I'm really excited as I switch the page here. Uh, speaking about life and about life experiences and being on both sides of grief and joy, I am so excited to have Ryan Anderson on my podcast tomorrow. Ryan is an incredible person. I've known Ryan for a long time. He played in the NBA for 12 years. Ryan, when he was with New Orleans, his girlfriend, who had been a real uh, big star on The Bachelorette, committed suicide. And it was Monty Williams and Monty's late wife, Ingrid, who later would tragically die in an automobile accident, that came to Ryan's aid, his side. Uh, Monty Williams actually slept on a couch next to Ryan Anderson that fateful night when his girlfriend Gia took her life. And Ryan goes into great detail about that experience and the rock that Monty Williams was for him during the hardest time of his life. And it would only be a few years later when things went 180, and it was Monty who was dealing with an unimaginable loss as his wife and the rock of the family, and the mother of the children of the Williams household, 
was tragically killed in an automobile accident. I'm sure many of you can remember the eulogy at the funeral for Ingrid Williams that Monty delivered and how incredible it was and left so many that were watching either in person or on television speechless that a man could go through that sorrow and that pain and deliver such a dignified, incredible, heartfelt, educational eulogy on that day. And Ryan Anderson talks about that as well. Great conversation tomorrow with somebody that I have the uh, utmost respect for, Ryan Anderson. And I will tell you, I don't normally tell you, you have to listen, you have to listen, but you really do have to listen to the podcast tomorrow because it's really an incredible conversation with a man that uh, has experienced a lot. Ryan's doing great now. He's now a dad. He's got a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and he and his wife are just doing phenomenally well. And I'm very happy to hear that. So that's tomorrow on my podcast, if you don't like that. All right, you know the routine. If you want to come on the show today, uh, you can raise your hand, hit your hand icon, uh, and we will do it. If you have any memories of uh, Pete Carrill, uh, I'm happy to listen to them. I can just tell you that Pete had a way of just, I mean, I'll never forget we were flying across country and, you know, a lot of the players were reading car magazines and always looking at cars. And of course, a lot of the players had, you know, beautiful cars. And I'll never forget coach. He always used to walk up or down the aisle on the airplane with an unlit cigar. And he was always funny. And if, if you were, you know, if you, if you saw Kochi walk towards the, the back of the airplane and you made eye contact with him, he would always stop and talk or he would sit down next to you and just have fascinating uh, conversation with this. But I'll never forget once he was walking down the, uh, aisle of the airplane we were you know halfway over the country somewhere and I, I look up and he looks at me and he goes i'll never understand these guys with their cars and he goes you can't take them with you you can't f them you can't eat them i don't understand these guys and their cars and i just was like laughing and then he literally we just shook his head and kept on going down the aisle of the airplane and that was Pete Carrill in a nutshell he was just just a, a, a hilarious funny incredible incredible man and again I'm so grateful and blessed that I had a chance to spend so many days with the Hall of Famer and I'll tell you if you were around Pete Carrill, what I would always suggest, listen. Don't talk. Listen. Because if you sat next to Pete Carrill, and instead of talking, you would listen, you would learn something. Always learn something. All right, let's get to uh, some phone calls here on this uh, Monday with Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Grant. How you doing today? Okay, Ryan. Thanks for calling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't usually come on first, but Pete's passing, uh, it, it, it 
it's hard because he kind of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you were much closer to the situation than I was, but he was always kind of that heartbeat of that team, even though he was the assistant coach. And one thing that you didn't mention is he's a veteran. He fought. He, yeah. And, right. um, yep. you know, how much of the architecture of the Kings quote unquote glory days were because of him instituting the Princeton offense and, you know, giving that culture to that team. A lot. He was very, very instrumental in the success of the Kings and the Princeton offense. So I would say he had a very uh, big role and, you know, Jeff Petrie saw that and Jeff, who of course played for Pete, uh, wanted him out in Sacramento and Pete obliged. And he was a big part of the Kings success. Absolutely. Very true. Yeah, I just – the entire style of the Kings play on the offensive end changed with Pete. And right. I'll, I'll share a quick, quick story because I want to leave everybody else a decent amount of time to share stories or talk about other things. But, um, you know, I was there, and I've told you I trained with Albi Akani. Uh, I was at a game, and Pete came up and introduced himself to me because he, he knew mm-hmm. I was working with Al. And just what you said about not talking and listening, it, it was one of the best conversations I've ever had. And I have so much respect for that gentleman and what he's done for basketball, what he did for Sacramento and the Kings, and just being a good person overall. He was a great person. You're right about that. And uh, I don't really recall ever hearing a bad word about Pete from anyone. Uh, I, I really don't. I, you never heard anyone that even coached against Pete or was on a team against Pete or was ever around Pete Crowley. You never heard a bad word about the guy. Everybody loved Kochi. I guess that's the way I would say it. Everybody loved Kochi. He was just a joy to be around, an absolute joy uh, to be around. And you're right, he was in the Army. Uh, and was very proud of his service to the United States uh, in the Army. Absolutely correct. He graduated in 1952 and was uh, very proud of his military service. So we used to talk about that. Yeah, he fought in the uh, Korean War, correct? Correct. That's correct. He was, I believe, I think he was like a public information or he did something like that uh, after the war as well. But Yes, the the Korean War was just ending uh, when he was ordered to Korea, but that is correct. Absolutely. So where does Kochi come from? Where did he get that? I I don't know where he got that other than he was a Hall of Fame coach, and I would assume that people just called him Coach, and it just turned into Kochi, but I never even asked him where it came from. That's I don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you, but everybody just called him coachy and I, and I'll hear something else. I don't know if that nickname was given to him in Princeton or when he got to Sacramento, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I've, I've never heard coachy. I mean, you know, I'm a big sports guy. I've never heard coachy before. That's the first time I've ever heard it. And everybody called him that. Everybody called him that in Sacramento. Everybody called him Kochi. I I don't ever recall anyone calling him anything other than Kochi. I don't ever recall anyone walking up to him and saying, Pete, it was always Kochi, Kochi, Kochi. 
Very, very interesting. So let me ask you this. How does the Kings run from 98 to 2006 change if Pete was not there? Well, I think the offense, the creativity of the offense would have changed. And what Pete was able to do is the Kings had phenomenal big men that could pass the ball in both Lottie Divac and Chris Weber. And their offense was completely orchestrated on passing and backdoor cuts and things of that nature. And a lot of that was Pete Carrill. So I would think quite a bit. I used to talk with Byron Scott about this a lot. And he was a coach on the staff as well. And we used to talk about Pete Carrill's uh, creativity with the offense. So I just used the word creative. He was an extremely creative offensive coach, but he was also extremely simple and he simplified everything and he made it very easy to understand to the players how to play the game. So that was a gift that he had. He had a gift of being able to simplify things and make the players understand what it was that he was coaching and teaching. And that's what it's all about, right, Grant? It's being able to communicate. And on top of that, it's having your players respect you. Correct. You know, like with the NBA, you see when there's a timeout call, they come out and – or the coaches, I should say, come out. They gather in a circle. I remember going to so many games where it was – they were gathering around Pete. And Pete was the one – that was giving the advice and and Adelman was an amazing coach. Don't get me wrong, but Pete was the one that they were turning to. And it it just blew me away. Maybe I'm a weirdo and I look at those small things, but I I had so much respect and I could totally tell because I, I do love sports. I looked at the Princeton offense and, you know, the first time that I saw Pete Carrillo on the sideline, I'm not going to lie to you. Who is that? I don't know who it is. So I did my research and I figured out that the offense they're running, that that's exactly what Princeton was doing. And so. Yep. It, yep. It, and how, and, and for the people that don't know, how about this? His record at Princeton was 525 and 273. And in conference play at Princeton, his record was 310 and 96. Think about that. 310 wins, 96 losses coaching Princeton. It's insane. I mean, it, you could almost make the argument that he has changed basketball, period, end of story, whether it's with the Kings or any other team, the way the game's played. Princeton still runs the same offense that he instituted. That's correct. Pretty amazing, isn't it? It, it is. It, it's a sad loss. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, if you if you had to do a list of people that we see as institutions here in Sacramento, he he's in the top three. If they were to pass away, I mean, you're it, no it's question crazy. So no question. Condolences to his family. Thank him for or thank you, Pete, for your service. And uh, Grant, I'm gonna hop off. Have a great rest of the show, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. That was very, uh, very good conversation there with Ryan. So if you want to come on, all you got to do is raise your hand. I'll put you right up on stage with me. Let's get to Jeff right here on Listen App. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Grant. How are you today? Good, Jeff. Thanks for calling. Well, uh, just that's pretty sad news about uh, Pete. And uh, but I, I had a, I just uh, so 
listening to you. So what was his the difference between the the Phil Jackson triangle and Pete Pete's uh, offense? Uh, can you give me just a brief? Uh, not really. Uh, not not over the phone. I can't. I would just tell you that Pete's offense was predicated on big man passing a ball and a lot of back picks and a lot of backdoor passes and cuts. Uh, the movement of the basketball was just a thing of beauty. And, of course, he had the players with Sacramento to implement that. But it was an offense that really was designed to go from outside to inside with the utilization of the big men passing a ball. I mean, that offense does not work without Vladi Divac and Chris Weber and their passing ability uh, for big men. So, and, and, and Pete designed that offense just beautifully. So I don't, I'm not an expert on the Princeton offense in terms of being able to explain it to you over the radio. But what I can tell you was you, it, it's only going to work if you have the players that are able to uh, utilize Pete's coaching technique. And the Kings had that. They absolutely had that ability based on their personnel. It sounds like there's way more assists and uh, selfless and more team team uh, and less one-on-one -on -one, uh, basketball. Very true. One-on-one -on -one basketball was not going to cut it with that. That is very true. And they, you know, again, it's very difficult to explain over the radio, but players loved playing in it too, right? I mean, and it, because this offense was not for uh, every team. It just wasn't there. Again, you had to have the, I mean, first of all, it was basically a, a positionless offense. Okay. So you would at times see the big men on the perimeter and guards underneath. I mean, and you would also see, you know, like for instance, Pacer Stoyakovich giving a backdoor cut to Christie all the time in that offense was one of the things of beauty. Uh, you needed a high basketball IQ, but you needed to be able to pass the ball exceptionally well in order for this offense. And it was predicated on ball movement, and it was predicated from not only side to side, but inside out. So I was trying to explain that earlier. The ball would go inside first, then outside, okay? And that was the beauty with Chris and Vladi. Right. Inside to them, outside to cutters and shooters. And the offense also, if you remember, had constant motion. If you were to go back and watch video and watch how Peja and Doug always move without the ball, there was constant motion all the time with the the Sacramento, always, <laughs> always. And again, there was th this offense relied on a lot of backdoor cutting, a lot of backdoor cutting. And if you remember, a lot of the assists that led to baskets on, on the backdoor cuts were passes mm -hmm. from Vladi and Chris. Right. Well, it's sure a far cry for what goes on now where everybody just oh. comes down and shoots up a three or they stand in the corner waiting for a pass and shoot, you know, these guys just stand around and it, it's, it's sure a far cry what goes on now, huh? Oh, boy. You got that right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct on that. Absolutely correct. <laughs> That's that's too bad. So I, I wanted to bring, I think I sent to you on social media, not to change the subject, but wasn't that a thing of sportsmanship, those kids in the Little League World Series where that one kid threw the pitch and hit the one kid in the head and he went to first base? And you know what I'm talking about, right? 
Yeah, when he left first base to go out to the mound to hug the uh, pitcher. Yeah, it was uh, a thing of beauty. Absolutely. Isn't, isn't that something? I mean, that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? Sports. I agree. Sportsmanship. And I mean, if, oh, that was just totally, totally something to cherish and show you. They're still good in this world. You know what I mean? There's still, there's Amen still to that. some good kids out there, you know, and that was totally awesome. Totally awesome. Well, Grant, I'm going to get off and uh, thank you for everything and rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace, Pete. Thanks. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. If you want to come on the show, all you got to do is hit your hand icon, raise your hand, uh, and we will do it. I mean, you know, again, it's very difficult to explain an offense over the radio, but just understand that that offense was based on players being able to play multiple positions, predicated on throwing the ball inside. The offense went inside, outside, and a lot of backdoor cuts. And that was uh, the Princeton offense. All right, let's get to John right here on Listen App. John, good Monday to you. Good Monday to you as well, Grant. Man, what a sad loss again. This year has been absolutely terrible for losing great friends and just great people. All around, you no know. question. Yep, very Sydney true. Dion died a few days back too, and she's a my wife's was one of my wife's friends, very very good friend. Thirty you know years ago, back in Hollywood and stuff. So it's just lots of things are just you know death sucks, but we're going to celebrate them all. And Kochi, I've never heard him any called anything but Kochi either, and I'm not sure where it came from. But anytime I'm, I, I am, I'm not, I, again, I don't remember where it came I from. Remember, I really I don't. I listening to it and hearing players calling that. And when I say, hey, good job, coach, you turn around, look, all right, a, few, a yeah. handful of times. It's not like I've ever had long conversations with them. Thanks, young man, is what he'd say. Good job, coach, you nice work in it. And the whole thing about him, Rick Adelman loved him, yeah. and Rick Adelman kept smart coaches around him. And that's how. That's why that whole glory days or glory years, as Ryan said, what it was about. Because Rick Adelman was a great head coach, and he kept great assistant coaches around him. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the strategy of it was. And it doesn't even – yeah. the Princeton offense is one thing. And trust me, Paige did a lot of standing in the corner, like a lot of people do now. But we did it first, and Paige would stand in the corner, but then he'd run to the elbow. And get back to the corner when when the defender wasn't looking, and that's what you know Princeton still does, and and that's what a lot of NBA teams are doing now because guys are so much more athletic now; they could get around faster. Where in college, guys are small, tiny, and fast, and they could get around, not necessarily yeah. as big. But now, now, yep. hey, can I? St- I want to stop you for a minute too. I know you said uh, Celine Dion. I don't believe she died. I believe you were talking about Olivia Newton-John, if I'm not mistaken. I was. I'm sorry. I'm so That's sorry. That's okay. Man. You know, I, because I've been listening, and I'm like, uh, when you said that, I'm like, boy, I don't remember Celine Dion. And then I'm thinking, okay, I think you. I, I, so I wanted to pass that on in case people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, Thank you yeah, for no correcting me, Grant. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me, Grant. And that's exactly what I meant. Um. I understand. Yeah, death sucks, and I guess it makes makes you think funny. It, you know, you get a little distracted with it and everything. And, and I, uh, well, I, I would say this. I would say this, and I and I'm going to say this again about Pete Carrill. So two years ago, what is it's August? So two years and about three months ago, uh, in March, it was either March or April. 
of 2020, we had Pete Carrill on the radio show, and he sounded really good and upbeat, and we had a really good conversation with him. And the reason why I remember it so well is he was either just turning 90 or was going to be 90 in a couple of weeks. And I remember saying, "What?" so so, so when we had him on I recall that at age 90, whether he was 89 and a couple of, you know, or, or just turned he, the the conversation that I remember with him is he was very sharp, still had a sense of humor, knew about everything that was going on in Sacramento, talked about how he watched the game still and how much he enjoyed watching the games on league pass. And I, I that's the last time I ever talked to Pete. But I remember thinking to myself, wow, this guy is really doing well for 90. That's what I remember from that conversation. I got you, man. I remember that conversation, part of it, not as well as you, but I remember thinking the same thing. This guy's still got it together. He's with it. His wits are there, and his, yeah. his X's and O's were still there. He had everything still intact, and what a great loss. But, you know, to celebrate everything he did, and, you know, he was – he changed he changed basketball almost as much as you yeah. know you could say almost as much as Russell almost as much as anybody by his coaching style and it's just a great loss and I've never like you said I've never heard a bad word said about him and people wanted him to come back never I never no. heard anybody say oh man I wish this guy no wasn't here or not even a fan or no. the scenes Anything. It didn't happen. I, I'm sure it never did. Thank you, John. I'm sure it never did. I appreciate it, buddy. Have a good one. Hey. Thank you very much. Take care hey, now. Grant. Thank you very much, John. Really appreciate it. July 10th. All right. July 10th, 1930. So we were speaking with him just before his 90th birthday. So the last time I talked to Pete was, shouldn't say Pete, I never called him Pete, was 89. He was 89 a couple of months before his 90th birthday. And I also remember a a story. Pete Carrill had recruited a player out of my high school to go to Princeton. Now, I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say this anyway, okay? If you are going to go to Princeton, okay, you got to be really, really smart, all right? It's not like they give you uh, a free ride because you are a good athlete and you're going to Princeton. And by free ride, I mean, like, they're going to give you a break because you're not able to cut it academically. Uh Uh-uh, not at Princeton. And in my graduating class, of Sias at high school was Paul Friedman and Kochi recruited Paul to go play at Princeton. And Paul actually died from cancer. And Kochi and I used to talk about Paul uh, quite a bit. And when I was talking to Kochi about Paul, I mean, he remembered everything about him as if he had just recruited him. Uh, the day before, Kochi had an incredible mind, 
remembered everything and was always able to get involved in any subject you were talking about. I mean, he was really a smart man, really a smart man. And his, I mean, think about the 663 winning percentage at Princeton. Think about that. 663 winning percentage. Incredible man. Incredible man. All right, if you want to come on the show, hit your hand icon uh, and we will do it. Also, if you're just joining me, I really encourage you to listen to tomorrow's podcast. It is incredible conversation with Ryan Anderson. And it's not about basketball. It's really about life. And it's about persevering. And it's about dealing with personal tragedy and coming through it and then going full circle to be able to help a person that was there for you when you were down and out during the worst time of your life. That's Ryan Anderson's story. And it was just, I loved the conversation I had with him that we recorded this afternoon and it will be available on all of your podcast platforms tomorrow. I really encourage you to listen to that. It's a, just an incredible story. And I always remember interviewing Ryan when he would come into town as a member of the Pelicans or the Rockets or what have you. And I always remember people always just go, man, what a phenomenal interview. God, that was such a great interview with Ryan. Well, great. I got more positive feedback when he was on than almost anybody. And I share a story with Ryan on the podcast tomorrow that sticks out in my memory that still to this day gives me chills when I talk about it. So that's going to be tomorrow on my podcast uh, if you don't like that. Then on Friday, uh, I'm going to interview a gentleman from a sports book in Vegas. And we're going to go over all the NFL odds. We're going to go over some of the overs and unders, Super Bowl favorites, MVP. We're going to give you numbers and everything else. That's going to be coming up on Friday. I haven't done that since I started this podcast nearly two years ago. So that's going to be on the menu uh, coming up on Friday. So tomorrow, Ryan Anderson, and then on Friday, a gentleman from a Las Vegas sports book. And if you did not get a chance to listen to my podcast last week with Ian Eagle, for those of you that have reached out, I really appreciate that. I've had an amazing response from the podcast that I did with Ian Eagle last week. Again, you can check it out. Uh, you can go to ifyoudontlikethat.com. That might be the easiest way as well if you're not uh, up on Apple or Spotify or whatever else. So make it very simple for you. Just go on my podcast or my uh, website uh, if you don't like that. Uh, if you don't like that. Good thing I don't have to talk for a living. Everything is right there. Uh, all of my rants, all of my listen app shows, my podcast, uh, everything else is right there. And what else is nice? You can click on all of my social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can click on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's all there for you. Okay. So, and you can also ask me a question via Crowd Ultra right there on my website. So it's all simple. Uh, if you don't like that, dot uh, com. All right. And again, all of the latest work is on there, including the podcast that I did with Ian Eagle last Tuesday. Love that. 
phenomenal conversation with Iron Eagle. So again, if you want to come on the show today, hit your hand icon and we'll do it. A lot of injuries already in the National Football League, right? We talk about preseason and what is the key to a good preseason. And to me, it is one thing and one thing only. It is getting through the preseason without any serious injuries. And that is not the case already for a lot of teams in the National Football League. So a lot of injuries, not only during the games this past weekend, but in practice. It's just one of those things, right? It's one of those things. And it's really unfortunate how many guys are already out, all right? Already out and are not going to be on the field for the beginning of the season. All right. And what and how about all the hamstring issues on the 49ers? You know, today I saw that Shanahan announced that Jimmy Ward pulled a hamstring in practice yesterday. All right. So he's going to be out a while. In all likelihood, he won't be on the field in the season opener against the Bears with a pulled hamstring. And that happened in practice. Uh, Shanahan said it's a pretty bad hamstring injury. Bad hamstring injuries take weeks, not like days, okay? Weeks. And it's amazing how many other guys are dealing with soft tissue injuries. Elijah Mitchell, Brunskill, uh, others, right? Ward, all dealing with hamstring injuries. I don't know what the deal is, but Coach Shanahan has said he's been very frustrated. Quote, it's been bothersome to me. They've all come after days off. This has been a real challenge, this camp. More than any we've been in with just how it's spaced out with these games and our day off rules. To really get into a group for the guys, once you get about two days in, they're getting a day off, sometimes two days off. So I think our biggest challenge has been these off days and how to come back from them. I got a suggestion. Don't have off days. Do what they used to do. Be out there like freaking men with your pads on and two-a-days in practice where guys weren't getting hurt and falling down like dominoes on the field. That's what you ought to do. Ever since they went into touch football and you can't practice on this day and you can't practice on that day and you can't wear pads here and you can't wear pads there, guys have been falling like flies. That's what I think. All right? Back when football was football, you didn't see all these injuries in practice. That's what the hell the problem is. All right. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's get to Jerry. 
Jerry, welcome to the show. You're on with Grant on Listen Up. Hey, hey Grant, Jerry. Hopefully you can hear me pretty good. Um, I'm okay. Yep. Well, good. Uh, first of all, uh, rest in peace, Coachy. Uh, second of all, Grant, uh, why uh, why do they have to play three preseason games, Grant? Don't you think one would be fine? Yes, I do. Money. That's why. TV money and ticket revenue money. That's why they play three. It used to be four, but they chop one off. So, But that's why they do it. And uh, so they're not much worried about their players. I mean, wouldn't you think that they would worry about the players? Because without the star, star players, where's the money at, Grant? Yeah, the players they do care about. But the pl- more players are getting hurt in practice these days than are getting hurt during the games. Because a lot of teams aren't playing their players that much in games. Most of their most of these players that we're talking about are not getting hurt during the games, although some are. A lot of them are getting hurt on the practice field. So you have to have practice. You can't just say there's not going to be any practice. Right. And Grant, uh, what did you think about Lance? Which I, I know it was a third, third string for the defense. Uh, did he seem nervous to you? I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good. Okay. I thought uh, all in all, I was pretty impressed with how he played. I don't think you can get a real good gauge on quarterbacks in the preseason because you're not going against ones. You're going against twos and threes and everything else. But, uh, you know, I thought he had a very good first game personally. Okay. Why did you think he looked nervous? Uh, maybe the first couple plays, yeah. Okay. Um, and Grant, was there a reason why Rodgers didn't play? Um, yeah, Rodgers doesn't play in the preseason, and he's not going to be playing in the preseason this year. Oh, okay. So, so he thinks he's too good for that, huh? No, it has nothing to do with him. It's a coach's decision, although he agrees with it. But that's just the way the coaches have handled him, just like they handled Tom Brady doesn't play in the preseason. You know, Ben Roethlisberger didn't play in the preseason, and we can go on and on. A lot of quarterbacks don't play in the preseason, and uh, Aaron's on, Aaron's fine with that, but it's not his decision. It's an organizational decision. Right. And, Grant, one more thing, sir, before um, I let you go. Thanks for taking my call. Um, did you hear anything about Kevin Durant saying that he would rather retire than play for the Nets this year? I did not, okay, no. Okay, well, Grant, uh, the things I'm getting, uh, they're from Facebook, so I don't know if that's true, what's not true. It's kind of hard to believe, so – I would say that's not going to happen. I would say that's impossible uh, for that to happen. I don't. I don't see Kevin Durant uh, doing that at all. Uh, I, I. That would. That would absolutely shock me. To be honest with you, I haven't seen that. I'll look for it. But if that happened, it went over my head because I. I did not see that. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. You know what? I would not miss the guy. Uh, go out, retire, do what you got to do. See you later. Bye bye. Thanks, Jerry. Have a good afternoon. Take care. Grant, you do the same. Thank you. All right. I. That would shock me. I don't see that at all. I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Nets. I, I really don't. I do not. You know, I did a rant on this today. You know, I couldn't believe all of the chatter and complaining that I saw on social media as it related to the Christmas Day lineup because the Clippers weren't playing. Really? You're going to get that bent out of shape because the Clippers aren't playing? Why is that? Why is that? They were 42 and 40 last year. Yes, Kawhi's coming back. But so what? The Clippers aren't on Christmas Day. Why are the Knicks playing every year on Christmas? Seriously, how is it that the Knicks are on the Christmas Day calendar every single year? They're playing Philadelphia this year. Why is that? Philadelphia should be playing Miami. You want an intriguing game? That would be intriguing. Number one seed last year, Miami, going against Philly. That's intriguing. Why would I want to watch Philadelphia in the next play? First of all, I'm not watching it anyway. I'm watching the NFL on Christmas Day. I'm watching Green Bay play Miami. 
And then I'm watching Denver play the Rams. And then at night, I'm watching Tampa play Arizona. Basketball won't be on my TV for one second on Christmas Day. Not a second. Okay? Not a second. You think I'm going to waste my time watching Philadelphia and the Knicks? Really? You got Memphis playing Golden State. You got the Lakers playing Dallas. Milwaukee's playing Boston. And I got to watch the Knicks? Please. Come on. Stop it already, would you please? All right, let's get to uh, Brian right here on Listen App. <clears throat> Brian, what's going on? Hey, Grant, not much. How are you today, man? I'm good. A uh, couple of things you've discussed on the non-contact. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous and it's just crazy how many injuries happen with non-contact. I mean, uh, I mean, this is not in practice, but the jet season – uh, uh, it was imbalanced, you know, with uh, with Wilson in that, which uh, at the time the replay looked like it was a standard uh, ACL. But uh, I haven't looked at – I heard it, you know, it's not as – he's out a few weeks and a, 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 a meniscus uh, surgery. So their season uh, isn't over, which is, you know, good for them. But uh, as far as the Niners and all these hamstrings, I mean – with uh i think you you watched hard knocks right yeah i mean campbell said in that first episode i think he had yep. it out on on hitting each other full contact first day and he alluded to that in the episode like listen i'm getting you guys ready you know for the season and it's just it seems like they've like with most stuff today in pro sports everything goes to the far extreme on the one side and there's never a balance and and it seems like the lack of contact is causing these injuries and whatever methods they're just not working because there's far more injuries happening now than there were historically. Nope. And I remember going to Sierra college and seeing the 49 or two a days and everything like that. You never saw any, any, any of these minor no. stuff. No, you didn't. That's a great point. And I used to be out there all the time too working. And that was a really incredible time in my career when I first moved to Sacramento and I'll never forget going out to Rockland. First of all, as you know, it's just hot as all heck out there. But, you know, to have Bill Walsh on the field with Joe Montana and Roger Craig and Jerry Rice. And I'll never forget going in to hear Bill's press conferences. Yeah. And I couldn't believe I was in the same room as Bill Walsh. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, I'm in there. Like, I was fascinated by all of that stuff. And I will tell you, the 49ers during that period of time, you used to do the interviews on the uh, basketball blacktop off the practice field. And they were in full pads all the time, all the time. And they were always so cooperative. I mean, the Randy Cross, Roger Craig, yeah. I mean, all of these players, they were so darn cooperative in doing the interviews. And I'll never forget that period of time. Yeah, it was great. It was phenomenal. Oh, they, were and they were great with they were great I, with the fans yeah, too no, out remember, there. They were really good with the fans. Oh, yeah, they sure sure were. And that someone I know, family member, whatever, I remember uh, bumping into Steve Young at the local subway, you know, in Rockland. Yeah. I mean, when when do you see that now, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just, just great memories, nostalgia, and uh, it's just too bad. I didn't really – until you mentioned it, realized that the Shanahan said that. And if he's echoing that sentiment, you could tell he's probably pretty frustrated with it all. And, and no switching gears, you know, I watched the, the, you know, the Lance and uh, to me, you know, okay, you know what I mean? I think one throw he was laid on, on a third and, you know, long. Uh, uh, and then, uh, you know, one other, one other throw that was, you know, for an NFL quarterback, you got to make it in stride and everything like that. He threw a little high, you know, but yep. I, 
it's one game, you know, it could be worse. And of course, you know, all you can do is make the throw and that touchdown, he put it right on, right on the spot. So that's, that's reassuring because if that, you know, I know how the media is. If the, you know, if he didn't drop that touchdown, it's like, well, he only went this for this, you know? So I'm glad that happened just to kind of ease yep. the, the tension and, and all the chaos, as you know. That's a good game. point. It's a good point. It, you know, for an NFL quarterback, it was pitch and catch, but you still got to make the throw. And for him, I think it's a confidence boost. You know, I was watching Brian Balding break down his film, and Baldy pointed out that he felt that he was much better in the pocket with reading the pocket and stepping up instead of just getting the ball and running. Baldy pointed that out several times, that he thought his uh, pocket awareness was definitely an improvement over what he saw last year. So I look at that as a positive. Oh, yeah, I was not aware of that. That's good to hear from someone yep. who knows all those intimate yep. uh, aspects. So. We'll, we'll talk to you again. Good always. Thank you. Appreciate it. I still think the 49ers got real problems on their offensive line. I thought that they got really hit hard in the offseason with the absence of some really good offensive linemen. And I think that's going to be a real issue. I really do. All right. If you want to come on the show, hit your hand icon uh, and we will put you on. Don't forget tomorrow, Ryan Anderson on Friday. We'll have a little uh, fun talking with a sports book in Las Vegas, getting you ready for the NFL season. I will be doing my show at 3 o'clock every day this week right here on Listen Up. So plan your schedules accordingly, 3 o'clock tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And uh, tomorrow I'm on No Filter Network at 9 in the morning with Sean Salisbury and Eric Burns. We'll be talking about a variety of topics. That is tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific and 12 o'clock Eastern. Hey, really appreciate you getting us started here for the week if you want to uh, hit me up before we get off the air. All you got to do is hit that hand icon uh, and I will put you right on. Getting closer to football, still coming up with a couple of ideas uh, from some of the listeners and we'll let you know exactly what we're going to do. But I'll be doing some picks each and every week and we'll have some fun with the audience and we'll alert you to how we're all going to be doing that as we get you ready for the start of the NFL season. But let's get to some more phone calls right now here on Listen App and it's Waggus. What's up, Waggus? I'm good. How are you? Good, buddy. Good. So uh, just wanted to, uh, I'm really looking forward to the whole N NFL thing that you're going to do because I got my fantasy draft coming up on the second. We kind of wait until the preseason yep. is over. Um, but, you know, I want to kind of go back on the Kevin Durant thing. I think the caller that said, so, so there are reports out there that do say that, that he will retire. But then he comes out and makes a statement that, that that's not going to happen. So he's not, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. He's making okay. 40, he's making $40 million a year and he's got three years left on his deal. Do you think he's going to give up that kind of money? And here's the other deal. His ego is too big to allow him not to be in the limelight. He couldn't handle that. His personality would not allow him to not be in the, in the, you know, the bright light. So that's not going to happen. Okay. But I guess my question is, I mean, obviously somebody leaked this, right. You know, that they said unnamed sources. I don't know how that works, but, I guess my question is, Grant, I mean, you've been in the around the NBA for a while now. Where do the Nets go from here? Because this is this is a mess. I mean, well, I'll tell you what's going to be a mess. Kevin Durant's going to get booed off the floor this year if he plays in Brooklyn. The first time he does anything wrong, or even if he doesn't do anything wrong. On opening night, they may boo him right out of the gym. So that's going to be an issue. And it's going to be an issue for this reason. Kevin Durant is too sensitive and too thin-skinned to handle being booed on his home floor. And that's going to be a real ugly situation. And knowing the New York fans, like I know, 
the Nick fans yeah. are disgusted with him, and they're disgusted with Kyrie, and they're they, they are they are not going to be a supportive fan base this year for too long. So I think that's going to be a real issue. When you ask me where the Nets go from here, you know what? They created this mess. And Kyrie Irving, to me, is the reason for this mess. Yep. And you know what? We haven't even started with Ben Simmons yet, right? I mean, <laughs> no, we, we haven't even mentioned his name. I mean, how do you think that's all going to work out? Uh, I, I, I think that, that that trade for Jalen Brown and Derek White with like a, I, I think that for like two first round picks, I'm not sure. I think if I'm the Nets, I take that. Uh, I trade Kari for wherever he wants to get traded, whether it's, I mean, wherever, right? And then Ben Simmons, I would get rid of him too. You have to start over. All three of those players are unreliable. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking if James Harden was on that team, he would be the most reliable player out of all four of them. And I don't think he's a very reliable player. So that. Yeah, well, you're, you're right on that. How scary is that? But you're absolutely correct. You're 100% correct. Yep, you're yeah. right. So, yep. so, so to kind of sh- shift gears, um, so I, I have no idea why the Browns are not putting Jacoby Brissett, uh, you know, uh, having him get more of the snaps. Because Deshaun Watson, at a minimum, you, we already know he's out six games, right? So what's right. going on there? I mean – they probably, you know, he's got a lot of experience. He's been in a lot of games. Uh, they see him in practice, and they're probably thinking, hey, wait a minute. If we lose him, we are absolutely screwed. So they're probably just being cautious with him. But he's their starting quarterback. There's no question about it. Okay. And and going back to the Princeton offense, I, I remember one time, and I know you're going to say you always remember things, but it came to me. Uh, so Kobe Bryant, you know, when he got Dwight Howard in the summer of 2012, he made some comments about running the Princeton offense and going by what you said uh, on that team, it was going to be Howard and Gasol. Uh, do you think if they actually ended up, you know, I, I know there was a lot of injuries on that team. Do you think that that team would have been successful in the Princeton offense? That 2012? Yes, I do. I do. The only the only difference is the Princeton offense is not predicated on an individual having the ball very often. In other words, too long. And Kobe had the ball a lot. Right. So it would have been up to Kobe to make that offense work by moving the ball and not having it so much. So that would be maybe the only issue. Now, Kobe was a very smart player. Kobe moved very well without the ball. And if the yes. team if the team was winning, he would buy into it. I mean, Kobe was all about winning and competing. So but the Princeton offense was based on not any one individual having the ball too much. And it really was a positionless offense, but it was really the, and Pal Gasol was a great passer. So yeah, do I think it would have worked? Yes, I do. I, I do think that would have worked. And one other thing on that, if they don't hire Mike D'Antoni and if they, and if they do hire Phil Jackson that year, because remember Mike Brown got fired. Do you think that yep. that team goes anywhere deep? Uh, I don't think they win a championship. Okay. I'll put it to you that way. I don't think they would have won a championship, no. All right. I'm just curious. All right, Grant, it's a uh, pleasure as yep. always.
You take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Let's get to uh, Ryan one more time. We'll get him back on and we'll uh, wrap up the show. Hey, Ryan, you let us off and now you'll be the cleanup hitter. What's going on? <laughs> I love batting cleanup. Um, Grant, I don't know there you go. come back on, but the last caller brought up a point. I was kind of cut off guard about what happened with Pete. What about what's this season going to look like for Cleveland? I wanted you to at least give your thoughts or touch on what happened during that first preseason game in Jacksonville with the chance that the fans were chanting. And this is preseason. I know I'm a preseason fan. You are not. But even if he is not on the field, this is only going to get worse and be a bigger nightmare. If he's, yeah, if he's not on the field, I don't think the fans, I don't think it's going to be as, I, I think it's going to be benign, so to speak, if he's not on the field. Uh, once he's on the field, then I think it's going to be nonstop. But I don't really see the fans chanting at the Browns to a point where it's obsessive, where it's too much, where you would notice the difference watching the game. I think when Deshaun Watson is on the field, then yes, I do. But without him, I don't really think it will be that big of a deal. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being naive about this. But I think if Deshaun Watson's not in uniform and is not on the field and not in the stadium, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I, I, in this culture, Grant, I, I, I only see this snowballing. We've talked about it a zillion times. I, I think this is going to get worse whether he is on the field or not. And I just don't see how the organization can keep him on that roster, nor had given him a guaranteed contract for the amount of money they did. Well, they're keeping him on the roster. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. They're going to keep him on the roster. Uh, I also think he's going to be suspended for the whole year. So he won't be playing until next year. And then after this year, the NFL won't be able to do anything to keep him off the field. He will be playing in the NFL next season at the latest. And at that point, the Browns, who are already taking a lot of flack and getting a lot of negative publicity and everything else, they're going to move forward. He's going to be their quarterback. And that's just the way it's going to be. Could be. I don't. I. I don't disagree. This is just going to be a, a complete mess. I, I. I think it's going to be middle ground between what you said and what I said in terms right. of their reaction, whether he is on the field or he is not. But when do you see or predict the decision will come down? I was thinking before the end of August, but I'm hearing rumors it's going to be this week. And I'm with you. It's a very quick appeals process based on how long the initial ruling took. But if it were me, I think it's going to happen right before Labor Day. 
I, I don't disagree. I, I think you're spot on, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out if he is on the field or even just on the sideline. You right. don't have to be on the field. You can be on the sideline. Uh, I, I just, I see this getting worse. You know, the way things are now, especially with social media, you know, people are only going to pick up on this at this point. They're going to begin. Sure. Well, he's not going to be on the sidelines. He will not be in the stadium when he's suspended. Well, no, he can play in the, regardless if he's suspended, he can still play in the preseason. Oh, yeah, but there's only two more games and one's on the road. I don't think that's, uh, that's not going to be that big of a deal. I was really talking more about the regular season. And here's the other deal. Uh, most of the fans that go to preseason games are not your season ticket holders. Season, very few season ticket holders go to preseason games because they're wasting their time. And so if you go to most stadiums, they're not even, those aren't even your real fans. I'm, I don't really put, put too much into what preseason stadiums are like or fans if once he's on the field in a regular season that's when we will get the full a full perspective on what this is what the future is going to be like for the Cleveland Browns but I'm with you I think it's going to be very rocky to say the least for sure you know you know the funny part Grant they still have to pay the same price yes. for the ticket. oh I know for season ticket oh I know holder. I was a season ticket holder for decades I get it trust me I know so all right. Sorry to hop right. on again, but I, I just had to ask that following up on the other caller. So I hope you guys have a great night. Thank you. See you, buddy. Take care. Yeah, I mean, the Browns, if Deshaun Watson's not on the field, the fans, what are they going to boo at? It doesn't serve any purpose. You know, once Deshaun Watson's on the field, then yes. And I think it's going to be pretty nasty in a, in a couple of venues. So uh, absolutely. I think, can you imagine, seriously, can you imagine Deshaun Watson going into Pittsburgh? With that rivalry and the fact that, you know, the Browns moved to Baltimore. Can you imagine when they goes into Baltimore and what that's going to be like? And we can go on and on. It's going to be going to be nasty. That I do believe. I think it's not going to be a pleasant experience for the rest of the Browns players. And in due time, will it subside? Yeah, probably will. But not for a while. Not for a while. All right, so we're going to wrap up the show tomorrow. Again, really invite you to check out my podcast with Ryan Anderson, a phenomenal, lengthy conversation with the former uh, NBA player. And then uh, if you're up at, in the morning and out and about, if you have a phone in your hand or you're on your laptop or whatever, No Filter Network, 9 o'clock, nofilter.net, I will be doing the show with Eric Burns and Sean Salisbury. That show is a blast to do. That's going to be tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll do it again on Thursday. We're going to start talking a lot more football on these shows. Hard to believe that college football is only two weeks away. We are right around the corner from having non-stop conversation uh, with both college and the National Football League. So again, tomorrow, Ryan Anderson. Then uh, we'll be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Then looking ahead to Friday, I will have a individual on from a sports book in Vegas. We'll talk about NFL odds, MVPs, prop bets, uh, everything else that is coming your way on Friday if you don't like that. Hey, make it a good rest of the day. Have a very good evening and make sure you join me tomorrow right here on Listen App, 3 o'clock Pacific, busy day, 9 a.m. no filter, 3 o'clock right here. And again, check out my podcast. Just go to ifyoudontlikethat.com. So long, everybody. Stay safe.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.